11 o'clock. Welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark along with you on your Tuesday morning. Just talking about this with Chris in the last hour. We're now getting to the sad realization of football coming to an end and the long, long offseason ahead. But, hey, at least we have good basketball to talk about, baseball starting up at the end of this week. So plenty of exciting things happen around Gamecock Sports to Keep us occupied over the next couple months. And speaking of basketball, by the way, uh, coming up at 11.15, going to be talking to Josh Staley, uh, head coach at AC Flora, who at uh, before he went out to Utah for his senior year, uh, coached um, Colin Murray Boyles. So we'll get some insight from him on what CMB has been able to do this season, what he was like as a high school player. But guys, we are now talking about a number 11 South Carolina men's basketball team after the latest AP poll rankings uh, come out yesterday. So continuing to move up as their uh, hot streak continues through conference play. Yeah, pretty awesome. I saw a tweet from Fox Sports. South Carolina currently, I guess, just five schools in the country that their men and women are ranked in the top 25. Pretty awesome stuff, and uh, I'll be curious to see if we learn anything new about Colin Murray basketball as I'm trying to... Oh, trying oh that's to, good. This is a new... Did you come up push. with that? I did. I'm trying, That's, to, trying to push it a little bit. I like that. Colin Murray basketball. That really got Tyler's CMB. interest. Get, get, get that trademark, like, immediately. Trying to get it get it going a little bit. But, yeah, that'll be good. And, uh, yeah, number 11, I, guys, I thought I thought they might ease into the top 10. but Well, for some people, they did. Some rankings. Right on, right on the cusp. Luckily, nobody forgot to rank them this time. So, they have everyone's attention at this point. But... Hey, you use all the motivation you can get. Now, hey, these guys don't want to rank as top ten. You know, like you, you've kind of you've played the the Kirby Smart, Dabo Sweeney, nobody respects us card all year long. Let's just keep it going. Well, a team that you beat pretty handily, Tennessee, is three spots ahead of you with a worse record at seventeen and six. There's some motivation right there. Print that out. Tweet and, it. Print it. And <laughs> Andy Katz. Uh, has the Gamecocks number eight tops in the SEC? Alabama, Tennessee, right behind. So this yep. is a w- what is the narrative? I realize that Auburn. Oh man, Auburn got whooped by Florida, a place that they've not won in twenty six years, I believe. Ninety seven was the last time they won down there. Yeah, lost pretty handily they, there. They they were with fourteen minutes left. They were losing by twenty nine points. Yeah, wasn't I mean pretty. they ended up tightening it a little bit, but they just they just got beaten in every single facet. Now, if you're a South Carolina fan, I'm not sure if you like that. You know, Auburn doesn't turn in that type of performance very often. And Auburn has not lost at home this year either. That's a tough place to play. You're going into tomorrow night. But if I remember correctly, Tennessee was unbeaten at home before they went to Knoxville a couple weeks ago. So not impossible. They were, do y'all remember that record I pulled? It was like 42 and two. Yeah. Something like that. I think yeah. it was, um, it gone back well into last year, like early in conference play. I think they had lost a game, but yeah, they were on a hot streak at home. And South Carolina obviously into that. That We shouldn't like doubt anything about this team, no matter who the opponent is. I've even said this if they match rematched with Alabama tomorrow, I think that's a much more competitive game than what we saw in Tuscaloosa. Oh, yeah. Especially if they, if they, were to have the, you know, home and home. If they were to play them in Columbia. Yeah. I mean, at this point, what, South Carolina's lost one game at home. And so, I mean, they, they've got, I mean, they've only lost three in total. But, 
uh, you know, they've, they've got quite the home court advantage that has developed here in Columbia. So I, I would I would love to see that matchup actually at this point because to to kind of lead it into what we're about to talk about next segment, I think CMB just raises the ceiling of what this team could maybe be. I mean, we knew early on when they were beating some of these teams that maybe weren't quite as highly thought of, but South Carolina kind of needed – I think this season played out exactly the way it needed to play out because they needed some games early on to build confidence. They needed games early on to stack wins. And even though, as we've talked about, this is a veteran team, they weren't a veteran team together. So that allowed them to grow. And I think we all talked about it. We all anticipated, hey, once Colin Murray Boyles gets back to his full health, this guy's going to make an impact on this team. Now, did any of us think it necessarily was going to be to the extent we're seeing right now? You know, may- maybe you did. Maybe you're an AC Flora fan and-, and you just have seen what the guy can do and you were all about him. The players tried to warn us. Um, contacts around the program tried to warn us. But even then, what I had established in my head as being what I thought he would probably do based on the things we were hearing, he has exceeded that, I would say. Definitely. I, I mean, I, I thought he was going to be a guy that was going to play and show flashes and make some plays. I mean, this has been above and beyond, you know. And if you paid attention during recruiting, I mean, was his, his own three industry ranking, which is the average, weighted average of all the major recruiting services, he was 105th nationally. So, like, this is a highly recruited, pretty highly touted guy. But CMB's playing like, one of the best freshmen in the country. Like if if you saw him and and you told somebody who watched him play, that kid was the. I mean, is there even a limit? You you could have been like that was the number one player in last year's class. I'd be like, oh yeah, I can see that. Sure. I mean that that'd be no surprise whatsoever to me. Um, I go back to what we were talking about yesterday. Like you you see you see the growth over the past couple weeks. You see what he can do. The natural talent. And then you think, okay, this is someone who can also shoot from outside, we've been told. This is also a secret weapon. Secret weapon. We've also been told, or not been told, we we know that he missed the first part of the season because he's out with mono, and it took him a while to kind of get back. Remember, the Clemson game was the first time, you know, that really he he was in action, and he was kind of feeling, feeling his way around. He's just rapidly, rapidly improved, and... It's super impressive. I was thinking about this the other day, and I don't know if I'm ready to go this far because what what South Carolina basketball player in the modern era modern era is more talented than Colin Murray Boyles? And I would I'm even in, I'm including Gigi in that who just got a four year deal in the NBA. Well, then we get it. What's the definition of talent? I'm t- the, the, way I, the way I'm thinking about it of this is like NBA potential. You know how in the NBA, like first round, you get guys and you're like, that guy averaged three points a game, but he's got like all the tools. Yeah. To me, Colin has all the tools plus the production already. Yeah. I, I'd still, I put Gigi above. Do you? Yeah. I mean, look what Gigi's well, doing right now in the NBA as yep, a rookie. For sure. And yep. I think Colin, by the NBA standards, is going to be – we're getting way ahead of ourselves, y'all. He's going to be a little bit limited by his measurables. Mm-hmm. But you don't have that in college. Like, right. you, you can be, quote, undersized because yeah. he plays above 
what he's listed as. And there's so many more different types of team identities and offensive and defensive styles in college basketball where you can yeah. find a fit wherever you are or at some point, no matter what kind of player that you are, as opposed to the NBA where everybody kind of runs a similar type of deal up there. But we kind of knew Gigi Jackson coming in a season ago was touted as maybe the number one overall pick, certainly a lottery pick, and ended up going a little bit lower than than expected. But, yeah, he's doing a great job out there with the, the Grizzlies so far this season, setting records, you know, doing things that, you know, haven't been done since Kobe Bryant. That's good company to be in. And, um, you know, Murray Boyles is obviously coming along very well, and I know uh, Paris mentioned it the other day that he's going to have to fight off, you know, NBA scouts when it comes to the end of the season of trying to pry him away from college. But um, as you mentioned, a little, maybe a little bit more limited just kind of based on his measurables for what he can do at the next level. But what he's been able to contribute so far this season, I mean, it, it's so far on par with what G.G. Jackson was giving you a season ago. You also, in this day and age, you got to fight off vultures from other schools, it, you know, sliding in your players' DMs, basically. That's where where I say this is a guy that hopefully can be the benchmark of your program for the next two to three years. That's something you got to consider as well. Like, hey, a lot more people going to be knocking on his door, as many were just recruiting him in general. But seeing what he's been able to do, as we know, so much turnover on a year-to-year basis, you want to make sure you can hang on to him for however long he's in college. Yeah, and I, I think you can you can kind of substitute in whenever a coach says, "Hey, you know, the NBA scouts are going to be coming after our guy." You can almost sub in in parentheses and other schools in today's age of of college athletics. Even though a coach probably maybe wouldn't say that out loud, it, it does. I think there's an interesting point here too, Chris. You remember when Will Muschamp was hired? I promise, I got a connection here. <laughs> Remember when Will Muschamp was hired, the story about his press conference and going straight to T.J. Brunson's school yeah. right after. And then I believe he went to Brian Edwards' school right after that. That's right. And it was always kind of the story of, hey, he signed the first two guys he went to see. And they obviously made a really big impact at South Carolina. Not an exact one-to-one, but I still remember us hearing – this was way back. This was April 2022, and that would have been like a month, I think, after Lamont Paris was hired. But it was the first day of that spring that coaches could be on the road. And I remember us hearing, hey, there's this guy, Colin Murray Boyles. South Carolina is really, really likes the avowal of him, and Paris and an assistant – are going to see him and uh, kind of look, look out for them to possibly make a move here. And this was when some other schools were starting to get involved as well. I think Tennessee was getting involved then too. But it, it was kind of a matter of, hey, take care of home. This guy at the time was not quite a big name yet from what I understand, even though I believe he was player of the year in the state the, the season that had just finished, was starting to gain traction. South Carolina said, look, this guy's in our backyard we're going to give him a very, very heavy look from an evaluation standpoint. Got in on him early, made him a priority early, and you were seeing that that work pay off. And you, you got to think not to, you know, Lamont Paris, obviously all the credit to him in the world, but bringing on a guy like Kerry Rich and his connections within this community and kind of knowing who to talk to knowing the landscape of, hey, this guy's blowing up or this guy's about to be the next big thing here, being able to get in on guys early, it doesn't mean everything, but it certainly helps you as opposed to getting in on guys late. 
We'll uh, continue this conversation about Colin Murray basketball with his former high school coach from AC Florida, Josh Staley. Coming up next, it is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on your Tuesday morning on the game. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark along with you. Going to change things around a little bit. Josh Staley, a little bit delayed. We're going to try and hit him up at 1130 uh, to talk about Colin Murray Boyles from his time at AC Flora High School. So we'll get back into the basketball conversation with him coming up in about 10 minutes. This is something, though, I want to kind of jump into football here. Something that kind of got lost in the shuffle of everything going on this past weekend with the Super Bowl as well as basketball. But Chip Kelly, um, who was set to return for another season as the head coach at UCLA, decides to leave. And look, he would have been on the hot seat going into the season. Uh, very surprised they decided to retain him for another year as it was because he seemed to be on the way out at the end of the last season before beating Southern Cal handily in the final game of the year for them. But he's decided to take the offensive coordinator position at Ohio State. So, and this is just one of, of many moves that we've seen across the landscape of college football since the season ends. We saw Jeff Halfley take his opportunity to go to the Green Bay Packers in the NFL, which, you know, he said he wants, he wanted to go there so he could just focus on football and not worry about all the other aspects of everything going on with, with being a head coach. And now we have, you know, a guy that's been only a head coach for the better part of the past 20 years, now deciding to go back to the coordinator route with Chip Kelly working for the guy that he taught about how to be an offensive coach from their time at the University of New Hampshire. And, um, you know, it's just kind of one of those uh, interesting trends that we're going to continue to see across the landscape of college football with some of these guys maybe not wanting to continue to take on all the tribulations of being a head coach and maybe focus a little bit more on the areas of expertise like offense. I don't think we ever would have seen moves like this even just a few years ago, but you kind of look at this landscape landscape, and it kind of makes sense. I mean, if I'm Chip Kelly, first of all, the added context is, like you said, he is on a hot seat. Yeah. And, it, I mean, wasn't it reported that he was out, that he yes. was being fired? He was going it, to get fired. It seemed yeah. like a sure thing in the closing weeks of the season, and they – turn face again after they beat Southern Cal pretty handily. But, um, yeah, he would have been on pins and needles going into this year. Do you remember who reported that? No. Nope. Um, I, I don't either. But, can, dude, Chris, can you imagine? Like, I, I kind of get knots in my stomach just thinking about Because it, it was probably sourced up pretty well, if you're saying that. And then somebody coming back to you and be like, hey, you remember how I told you we were about to get rid of him? We're not anymore. And you're gonna have to wear that one. That's that, tough. That would be yeah. tough. But it was. I mean, I I guarantee you. Oh, probably, they had a great. It yeah. was probably very well sourced, but it it just well, changed. Um, but but if I'm Chip Kelly, dude, I, I'm 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 Chip Kelly. <laughs> you don't fire me, right? Like, as far as him as a college coach, he's one of the. I still think he's one of the best minds of all time, certainly of modern college football. So now I can go to Ohio State, which has one of the best rosters that NIL can attract, and I get to work with these guys and not have the pressure Mm -hmm. of being an actual head coach and dealing with all this other stuff. I'm just getting the benefits of NIL. Dude, sign me up, and he's probably – I mean, I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure he's making – Multi, probably two mil, at least, to be their OC. That's, I mean, that that might be the best job in football right now. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they're going to have talent. They're going to be loaded with talent every year. <laughs> to go back to your point about the uh, the reporter perspective, like it was more stretched out and not really the same. But like I remember in twenty twenty, remember that was the the COVID year of football, and we were told very strongly there was great information based on you know a variety of factors that it really didn't matter what happened that season. Will Muschamp was safe. Mm-hmm. And that had indeed that had been communicated behind the scenes. Well, what happened? It changed. <laughs> it, cha- it changed. And, and that was kind of the the grand landscape of not just college football, but college sports in general. Like, oh, you know, every program's losing money because of COVID, not having fans and all this kind of stuff. There's yeah. no way they're going to be able to file, fire people this year. But that you know yeah. usually doesn't that didn't end up stopping many people. Well, you had the you had the roster issues week to week you had never knowing if you were going to play on saturday yeah, until the 11th hour did you play the finances of it right because well Muschamp had a big buyout looming but you lost some games in the fashion that you lost them to lsu to a&m ultimately to Ole miss it became an unsustainable problem and so you know but, but at that time we were able to turn the info around but it, it was just it was kind of a weird thing to go back and think about I, I'm also intrigued, y'all, to to stick to go back to UCLA. So Kelly out, but in Deshaun Foster, mm-hmm. my guy, former Carolina Panthers running back, that was an interesting move because you somebody was telling me the other day, and it was a good point. UCLA used to be like this premier job, and it's kind of lost its even with Chip Kelly there, like it's lost its luster a little bit. But Deshaun Foster comes in, and the AD. In the in the release announcing the hire was like this is a guy that understands the NIL era. He fully he didn't say understand it. He said fully embraces it. So I thought that was a really interesting move. A guy that played at UCLA. He spent what ten years on staff there as a mm-hmm. coach. A couple you know a year or two defection. Very interesting hire to me. Well, I think it's kind of one of those things, especially now that we're in February. You know, the quote-unquote hot names out there that could be potential head coaches aren't as prevalent as they were, you know, back in December. And you have a guy that's already ingrained in the program, already familiar with the players, um, you know, that kind of seems like a natural transition um, to not really change a whole lot of things from what you currently have um, with, you know, Kelly departing at such a weird time, um, you know, like in February. So I, I understand it to a degree. And, again, that's a guy that's been around the program for a long time, obviously an alumni, as you said. Um, you know, before, um, you know, going to the NFL for his time with the Panthers. So um, we'll see what he's going to do. It is definitely an uphill battle going into the Big Ten for the first season. And that's something else when you talk about Kelly going into the season on the hot seat, going into what was going to be a very tough Big Ten in addition to Oregon and Southern Cal and Washington joining as well. Like, he probably saw it as a no-win situation for him. Yeah, and I I think you, in today's era, unless you just have the home run hire, Really, really, what you feel like is maybe a grand slam hire. Uh, I wonder, are especially based on timing, are schools going to be more and more inclined to say, "Hey, who who's the guy in house that our guys love?" I mean, you look at Michigan, and, and obviously Michigan's coming off a national title, and uh, you know, Sean Moore is a situation where he even kind of got his tryout right during the season. If it hadn't have gone so smoothly in those situations then it's probably a different story. But still, I I just wonder, you have to move so fast. And that was always the case, but it has been accelerated um, exponentially these days, I feel like, because of the transfer portal. Because sometimes guys, they don't even give you time to 
<laughs> to just see what happens. They're just they're out, and so uh, I think maybe depending on timing, we're going to see more and more schools have to feel like, well, unless there's this just slam dunk hire that we just are like top of the board type because mm-hmm. everybody every school has that list where there's maybe that guy like for South Carolina um what golly 20 years ago um you're sitting there and it's we're gonna go get Steve Spurrier yeah and everybody's going what like if that like, hadn't happened right. yep. you know then you get down to like the realistic names for South Carolina they were able to to land it in, in that case. Well, other than like kind of that just no brainer hire, maybe you look a little bit stronger into in house options right now, which, which there are pros and cons to that as well. Yeah. I mean, if you get down to past your, your top two, you're just going, is there really that much of a difference at this point? And, and then you pull the trigger because the flip mm-hmm. side of that is a lot of problems with the portal, with sure. recruiting. You, you got to get on it nowadays. Your mm. clock's ticking. You know, it's funny whether it's choice number one or choice number seven, that introductory press conference. We it's got always our guy. choice number one. We got God. our guy. That's <laughs> who we wanted from day one. It's like, well, what about the four other guys that turned down the job offer? Nope. This is our guy. That's who we wanted. That's that, how was it just works. The, that was just the media, Tyler. They don't that's, know. You guys don't know anything. You guys aren't insiders. What are you talking about? They don't know about? nothing. We'll, uh, we'll try and get Josh Staley on the line, talk a little bit of Colin Murray basketball. Coming up next, it is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you on this Tuesday morning, getting back into the basketball conversation as we were at the top of the show, talking all about Colin Murray Boyles and the impressive uh, display he's put on on a night-in, night-out basis for the Gamecocks this season, culminating with that 31-point performance against Vanderbilt the other day as uh, he earned SEC Freshman of the Week honors uh, yesterday, and rightfully so. Now on the Love Chevrolet phone lines, talk a little bit about Colin Murray Boyle, somebody that knows him very well, his coach from his time at AC Flora High School, Josh Staley. Josh, first of all, thanks so much for taking a little bit of your time for us this morning. When you look at everything that CMB is doing on the court in these SEC games, does anything surprise you at all, or is that the caliber of talent that you've always known that he was? Now, I always knew um, talent was – I mean, Colin – pardon me, Colin was a very – um talented young man. So um, it was just waiting for his opportunity. He's been putting in a lot of work over the time, over a course of time, but I'm not shocked at all. Hey, Coach, it's Wes. Appreciate you doing this, man. Um, what, what more can you tell us about Colin, just maybe in terms of the things that aren't so obvious, uh, just watching the game or, or even watching highlights? I, I tell you, I've been so impressed just watching him without the basketball and how he always seems to be kind of in constant communication with his teammates. He seems to, even as a freshman, be directing traffic at, at times. Has he always sort of had that on-court um, just basketball IQ and, and always been such a communicator, or is that something that has kind of come along as he's matured in the game? No, that, that's been there for since I've known Colin, since he was um, a little boy, a young kid. Um, all of what we're seeing now is an accumulation of the work that he's put in over the years. Colin has always had a great feel for the game. He's always been around the game. His brother played at a high level. His brother is a professional now. And um, JB, James, um, takes a really, really um, big part in Colin's life. So he's been able to learn the game for a very long time. But, like, all that communication, all of the um, great feel on the game and being an anchor, that's been, his, um, that's been him for since I've known he's been playing the game. So 
it's just now that the world and the nation is getting a chance to see it. Coach Staley, Chris Clark here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I want to go back to the recruiting process. We were reminiscing on that a little bit uh, in the last couple segments. Tell us what you remember, if you can, about you know Lamont Paris's pursuit of Colin, how that came about, and, and what you saw from this South Carolina staff during the recruiting process. I think um, Colin has been raised to be a very humble young man. He has um, two great parents. And Sean and Yvonne, and like I said, his older brother James plays a very um, integral role. But the recruiting process wasn't very hectic. Um, the traffic picked up very heavily. Um, it was power five schools in and out of the gym. But with that being said, I mean, I, South Carolina let them know they really wanted him. Um, Lamont did a great job of establishing a relationship with him. Um, I thought Kerry Rich did a great job of laying some um, bridges and foundations so um, the relationships could be established. And Colin knew where he wanted to be. His parents were comfortable with it. And, and that's why um, it wasn't a very long process. And you could see that it was a great fit because he's doing very well now. Again, talking to Coach uh, Josh Daly, who coached uh, Colin Murray Boyles at AC Flora High School. We talked so much about this team and the veteran experience they have coming into the season when Lamont Paris really hit the transfer portal, bringing guys from all over that just played a lot of basketball at a lot of different places. And with Colin Murray Boyles coming in as a true freshman, he seems to have slid in naturally with those guys in the starting lineup. And you mentioned his maturity. You know, how, how much has that, in your opinion, being, been able to translate over to sliding in with guys that have been around the game for four to five years at this point in time man Colin Colin is such a um great person like he has an old soul he's been mature for a very long time um his insides are very very good he has a good heart he has he's a high character kid so it's not going to be hard I knew that the transition wasn't going to be difficult for him all he had to do was learn coach Paris's um style his tempo what he expected um from him and um establish his role so it's it's not a surprise at all that he's sitting in with older players that's been playing at that level for um, much longer than him because Colin, he's such a coachable young man and a great person, so I knew it was going to be easy for him. Hey, Coach, they I think they were talking about this on the broadcast the other day or, or maybe Coach Paris mentioned it on his call-in show, but um, does does CMB have, have a little jumper at his disposal as well? They, they were talking about how um, in, in practice he can actually extend out a good bit more than what he is currently asked to do within within the scheme. Does he have even a little bit more to his game that maybe the college basketball public has not quite seen yet? Oh, there's a lot to his game they haven't seen yet. Um, his jump shot might be the most polished part of his game. Um, he could really shoot the ball from um, 15 feet in, um, 20, um, 25 feet in. Like he has a great three ball. He has a great mid-range um, pull-up. Um, Colin could really shoot the ball. Like when he played for me, we wanted him to shoot it more. But mm -hmm. like I said in um, another interview, that's not quite his role right now. And um, he's buying in and doing what the team needs him to be successful. But he can definitely stretch the floor. That's why I know his game is going to translate at the next level. Also, that's kind of scary to think about that that he can add that to his, add that to his game or not add it, but just kind of unleash it. When you uh, coach, what is the maybe the most unpolished part of the game? Like we we have seen the growth from. You know, game one after he had the bout with Mono, came back, was kind of integrating into things. We've seen that growth from game to game, week to week. But when you watch him play for South Carolina, when you think back to what he did for you, where are you going, okay, this is his next step in his growth process? Um, the next step is going to be him allowing, giving himself the authority to take games over, to be the, um, the, alpha, the alpha dog on the court 
but that comes with time, that comes with experience. Like there's no substitution for the time and experience that that's going to take. But once he gets to that role where he knows he's one of the best players on the floor, not the best player, and he can put the team on his back, I think it's going to be scary. When you think about your time coaching him at AC Floor High School, obviously you can't teach size, but was there a definitive moment he made a particular play or anything where you said, oh, this guy's a dude, has the ability to play at the next level? It was his work ethic. It wasn't really much of a moment. It was his work ethic. Like a quick story, it was, a, it was at a point for like three months straight, me and Colin was the first ones in the gym every morning just to work on his hips and his mobility. And most, most kids aren't going to do that. They, are, they, they want the ball in their hand. They want to work on drills. But we literally just worked on his hips, his mobility, his footwork, and um, he was willing to do that, like to be the first one in the gym every morning just to work on that part um, of, his, of his abilities and, and it's paying off for him. So I knew he was going to be able to play at the next level because of his work ethic. Coach, I, uh, I, I think we – I don't know. We maybe need NASA to come investigate this kid's hands because I don't know if I've ever seen <laughs> a guy uh, that the – the ball, when it's in the air, he goes up and the ball just sticks to his hands. Like It is incredible how uh, how good his hands are, his hand-eye coordination, how soft his hands are. Has uh, uh, has that just always been there for him? Like it, His touch, I feel like, is unreal, and I, I think that's part of the reason he plays even bigger than he is because it's like he can go up with one hand and snatch the ball maybe where other players need need both hands. Yeah, he, his feel and touch for the game has always been there. That's one of the first things I noticed when he was a young kid playing for the, um, the Carolina Wolves, man. His feel and his touch for the game and his hands has always been elite, and it allows him to be such a versatile player. If you need him to be Dennis Rodman for the team to win, he's Dennis Rodman. If you need Zach Randolph, he's Zach Randolph. Draymond Green, but he has so many parts to his game where he can adapt and fit in any system and help anybody be successful. Coach, general question here for you, given that Colin was an in-state guy who played for you at Flora. You know, you think about Gigi Jackson, who Lamont Paris coached last year. It's always a, a, a talking point here in Columbia at Gamecock Nation about in-state recruiting for their basketball program. What have you seen out of Lamont Paris? You mentioned, gave a shout-out to Kerry Rich earlier, his work on the staff. What have you seen from them recruiting guys in the state of South Carolina? Man, um, Lamont came in, him and his staff, came in right away and did an unbelievable job of establishing relationships. Like I said, Kerry already had like a lot of those um, bridges built with a lot of the coaches and, and, and he just piggybacked on that. And um, he is, he, he, and he acts the same every time you see him. And that makes in-state coaches comfortable. That makes coaches feel like, okay, I can send my kid here and um, I know he will flourish and be successful. And he, by offering Colin and um, some of the other players, that's actually on the team from South Carolina, and, and that, that showed that he was invested in the state. I think South Carolina has been a fertile ground for basketball for a long time, just kind of overlooked. And um, I think he just did a really good job, him and his staff. So kudos to them, man, and I hope they keep it up. I know they will. I know they will. Uh, Coach, last one for you here. Wes at the top of our show said he's trying to get Colin Murray basketball to be a thing as far as his nickname goes. Any nicknames from his time at AC Florida we should be aware of? Man, we just called him 30 Jr. So his oldest brother was called 30, and um, they called Colin 30 Jr. So um, 3J, I like 3J, you know, because it got the 30 Jr. feel. But um, we just called him 30, and we just called him Colin. Like, we either called him 30 Jr. or Colin. His mom called him 30. That's why he wears the number 30. But, 
you know, Colin's a very unique person. So as long as you call him something in a respectful manner, he's going to answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you hear some, if you hear somebody say Colin Murray basketball, just remember Wes Mitchell started it first. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> Coach, we appreciate your time and uh, certainly can't wait to see what CMB continues to do for the Gamecocks this season. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thank you all for having me. Absolutely. Again, uh, Josh Staley, head coach for Colin Murray Bulls, that are during his time here locally at AC Flora High School. We'll come back and wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Welcome back in. Southhead West Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you. For a couple more minutes, it is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Again, thanks to Coach Staley for giving us a few minutes of his time Talking about CMB's time uh, here locally at AC Flora High School, obviously very excited for what he's done in his short time here as Gamecock so far. Got something to say, Wes? Yeah, I was going to say, we're not allowed to say any other words until we give away these tickets for Dreamy Josh. <laughs> yes. He'll we, be upset. Yes. Uh, our guy Dreamy Josh is. I understand me. he's actually listening to he the is. show for once. Well, see, he said, hey, good interview, guys. I said all of our interviews are good. You're saying we have bad interviews? Of course we don't. It's not how this works. But yes, we will appease. Very modest of you. We will appease Dreamy <laughs> Josh. I have a pair of tickets for Friday's baseball season opener, four o'clock out of Founders Park, as they take on Miami of Ohio. Caller number six right now, 803-404-6100. Win a pair of tickets to Friday's season opener for baseball against Miami of Ohio out at Founders Park. Now, Dreamy Josh has been pleased. So hopefully he'll get off of our back now until he has more tickets to give away later <laughs> on in the week. What do y'all think of 30 Junior? Like, that's that that's a, a very cool nickname. I, I did the, like that. The, the only problem with it is the mass appeal. Like, it's cool sounding, sure. but if you just hear that, you don't get it instantly. Yeah, there's a, a little more of a story to, you have to have with a his brother to and it. everything. But, um, yeah, I, I do like Colin Murray basketball. kind of has the Johnny Football-esqueness mm-hmm. to it. Um, and for a name that's very long, it, you know, it works. Um, CMB is kind of an obvious, like an easy. Yeah, it's like yeah. CMC, like Christian McCaffrey. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I wonder what he prefers to be called. Now you can't come up with your own nickname. I, I feel like sure. Colin Murray, Colin Murray basketball. Maybe it's not like a nickname. Like you don't call him that if sure. you're his friend. Sure. But I, I feel like from a sports standpoint, yeah, from the fan consensus, it, it could take off. Sure, I think it could. I think there's potential there. Let's um, say you need to go get that thing trademarked. I don't. I don't care about that. I would just. I would love to see it on a shirt. When those shirts start selling out by the truckload, you're going to care about it. Yeah, that's true. How uh, mad are you going to be if there's a somebody's going to start selling Colin Murray basketball would, on would, a shirt? All I'm no, I wouldn't even be. All I'm saying is, if you do that, kudos. But, but give it right back to the basketball program. That's that would be. That's my, true. That's true. That would be my. That would be my wish. What are for some you. What are some of the best names in Gamecock athletics that you in, in your guys' time covering the programs? Nicknames or names? N- just nicknames. We had one earlier, Captain Munnerlin. That's true. Technically, Debo's a nickname, right? Mm-hmm. De- and Captain was not a nickname. Yeah, that was, was his actual name. All, name. all name team. Debo. Anybody that gets to the point where they're just known by one word, one name, like a Brazilian soccer player. Like yeah, if you, if your name's Debo and. Every, Everybody knows who Debo is. That's right. right now, that's true at the NFL level sure. as well. That's a pretty good nickname. You made it. Yeah, you you made it. Um, Cl- golly, Clowny like- was always Clowny. It was never Jadavion Clowny. Like it was just well, Clowny or JD. That, or JD, because that's such a unique name. Like that's one of those things where like your last name 
can stand on its own because it's it's not Smith or Jones or something like that. Because like when you said like Brian Edwards, you would say Brian Edwards. You wouldn't just say Edwards. You wouldn't even say Brian. Like Alshon, you said Alshon. You know, Brian yeah. Edwards for some weird reason he was always just Brian Edwards. You had to say both. Well, that's names. more of a generic type of name that could be not a generic player though. Not a generic player, but but a name that you could run into in in more than one facet. But like I don't. I don't think there's another Jadavion Clowney out there from a physical standpoint as well as just a name standpoint. That's right. Yeah. Al, it is fun. Alshon was just straight up Alshon. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like Lattimore, sometimes people called him Lattimore, sometimes people called him Marcus. That's true. That is interesting how that happens. Now, do but, you guys have any nicknames no. that we should be aware of? No, not that I'm aware of. West. Chris's nickname is Wes. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I do get called. The, the backstory is that Chris gets called me a lot. When um when my wife came out to Firehouse Subs a couple weeks ago, she's like, no, which one's Wes and which one's Chris again? Because she'd only met you, you guys told one her time. Backwards. I really should have. <sighs> Come on, wifey. Well, to be fair, she. I mean, now that she watches yeah, on the game, game TV, she, yeah, she's more aware. I was going to say she should watch it. Though, I, like I say our names, but I don't specifically point at each one. We don't of have you graphics do that. on this thing yet. Go we on. Do, well, you know, we need to do that. <laughs> That's our next step. We got we got comments that are finally WLTX style graphics. That's right, lower thirds. Yeah, <laughs> we'll work on that. No, I, I I do get called the, another. Speaking of phenomenons, I get called Wes often. Wes has only been called me on a couple occasions. We can't figure out why this is. Yeah, I, the only thing I can think of is Wes is more popular. I don't think it's that. So people are like, "Oh, that's Wes." Yeah, man. You want you want to be Wes, Wes right? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Who would who wouldn't want to be? I mean, it is pretty good life. I'll take submission. <laughs> I'll take submissions for Wes and Chris's nicknames. If you want to submit them? Fire out subs text line eight zero three four zero four six one hundred. We got to get you guys like your own brand identity with your nicknames, but you can't choose your own. That's that's against the rules. Other people have to give it to you. I got no ideas right now. They, yeah, <laughs> everybody else. Is good. I don't have one for Chris. I don't have one for you, Tyler. I've been called T Money before. That's we're not doing that. While. We're not doing that. <laughs> That's, I didn't come up with that. It was given to me. We're not doing that. And then I tried using it on the radio on a music station, and my mu- uh, music program director quickly told me to stop. He said, I'm not using that. I was like, I thought I was supposed to generate some kind of like alias for this. He's like, no, use your real name. So that was short-lived. Tyler John, right? Flip it. John Tyler. Yeah. JT. You're, no. a, you're a middle name yes. Southeast guy. And I'm not, same, na- I'm not same, named same. after the president, <laughs> contrary to popular belief. John Tyler, tenth uh, president. By the way, tomorrow, Stuart Lake. That's right. We will going to be joining us in right some baseball off the conversation. Bat, Eleven a.m. Hey, talking South Carolina baseball. He's leading off the show. He is leading. There you go. Baseball um, reference there. Phenomenal analyst. He knows a lot about baseball on uh, on the radio. So yeah. I'm I'm looking forward. I'm hoping he doesn't know this yet, <laughs> but he. I'm hoping this will be like a. Yeah. A common thing. Ah, Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully so. So excited to talk about that again. Baseball getting back in action coming up on Friday. Start of their season against Miami of Ohio. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Halftime show with myself and Terry Ford coming next right here on the game.